It's time to soy face, folks. We're soy facing. Are you guys on? Let me check. I always gotta check the Twitch to make sure you're streaming correctly. It looks like it's time. It looks like it's happening. Oh, there we go. Hi, everybody. I'm in my name, uh, my living room because it is kind of crummy out, a little, little cold, uh, a little chilly. Hanging out on the couch. I'm, I'm sewing it up on the couch. Trying to keep my knees out of you. I don't want to distract everyone with my erotic energies. I don't want everyone to get all riled up when they see my scabbed, knobby, toddler-ass knees. This is actually not a hot couch at all. It's a very comfortable, uh, cool couch. Uh, it's not very big, but uh, it gets the job done. So today I figured we were going to take the take the uh, pedal off the metal a little bit and just groove. Just going to have a groovy chat sesh. No real uh, agenda today. Uh, yeah, I said yesterday if anyone's got any cool uh, questions about history or maybe popular culture, we could chop them up a little bit. Trying to stay, uh, trying to stay grounded. Trying to knock that wood. Oh, this is a better angle anyway. Perfectly. Kismet. Gaming uh, is grilling if you don't... If, the, if gaming is grilling if you don't get angry while you're doing it, I guess. Uh, or bored. Uh, yeah, because think about it. Like, if you're gaming, if you're not bored, you're emotionally invested to a degree of anger, right? Uh, if you're just zoned out, that can't be good. But you should be building some sort of skill set is the idea. You should be actually producing something. Uh, that's the whole point. Uh, presumably, I, I mean, I think gaming could like kind of give you habits of mind. But you're going to have to actually build something. You're going to have to contribute to the world. Even if it's just the thing of scrimshaw or like carving a little wooden man at, at first. Whatever it is, I don't know. I don't know what the kids do. Whatever it is, it has to be three-dimensional. And then eventually, you can get so good at like putting, uh, putting like meaning into action that you can go back to gaming, and it can be part of your practice. But the problem at the beginning is it's too frictionless. Gaming is too frictionless. It's just like, uh, it's just like yelling on the internet. It's frictionless. There has to be friction. Uh, and, that, and I mean that in a literal sense. Like an item, like crafting an item. Or preparing an item. Anything. But yeah, so if you guys have any let's let's chop it up on some uh, on some fun history stuff history and and uh history stuff and, and whatnot. I gotta find out why those little why those little guys exist. I'm assuming those microstates all exist because somebody made some blood oath to the Pope in the Middle Ages or something? Or they, like, decided to, ho to uh, hide the Holy Grail? I don't know. I don't know enough. I don't know enough about art to say uh, what my favorite painter is. Uh, I'd have to think about it. I was one of those dorks in high school whose favorite painting was Nighthawks because I didn't I didn't have any friends.
I people that's uh, the the I I would like to talk a little bit about this the 1619 project thing. I, I will admit that I haven't read it, so I'm not going to talk about what it specifically says. I will just make an if-then statement. If the conclusions of that, uh, or if the drive and, and point of the uh, 1619 project are to claim that the conditions of American capitalism uh, at the, in the present moment are inextricably linked to, uh, to uh, racism at the point of leverage, uh, then I don't think that that's very helpful. And I think it's wrong. And it explains why it got, you know, all these awards from uh, the Ford Foundation and, you know, uh, corporate America. Because if the, uh, if the point you're trying to make is that racism and capitalism are inextricably linked at the point of fusion, then each one is as fixable as the other. Right? The degree to which you fight ra defeat racism, a concept that doesn't have a material form, is the degree to which you defeat capitalism but that doesn't work because racism is in the, the the ideal realm you can only fight the things that generate racism which are material uh material um like significant concentrated racially coded material distribution disadvantages that's the only way that you reduce the racism end they are they are inextricably bound they are like a dna helix but one came first one was generative, one is built on top, which, and one can be moved. And that's always the case with any of these issues. And the one that can be moved is capital because it's actually material and you can move it. You cannot move racism because it doesn't exist anywhere but in the minds of men and women and in the reified structures that they create. So you have to unreify the structures to get rid of the feelings. So all I will say about 1916 is if that's the point it's making, and a lot of people seem to think it is, if they're right, then I got to give it the old <laughs> kush bomb thumbs down. Now, of course, it's hard to make that argument because all the people who hate it the most are conservatives who just hate it because it implies America isn't good, as, this, as though that were a concept that made sense in the first place. A country being good. That's not possible. It's, 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 it's a quality that cannot be imbued on that level of definition. Any more than a channel changer can be good or bad. Structures are made up of people, but they aren't people, so they should not be judged morally. And so that's why they hate it. It's like, no, you're getting rid of my beautiful myth of America. And, of course, the beauty of that is, if America's perfect or, or good and... Uh, there's this uh, concentrated disadvantage in resources for black people, then I guess it's not the fault of the country, is it? Because a good country wouldn't let that happen. I wonder whose fault it is. It's literally, def that's also deflecting from the material world. Both of them uh, are ricocheting backwards. But like I said, I don't know if that's what's in there. I have to say, the fact that the, uh, one of the authors of the thing is on Twitter right now doing like uh, meltdown threads about 10,000 follower uh, like semi-anonymous accounts from people who aren't even checkmarked. That indicates, like I've said before, a lack of confidence in the 
foundations of your intellectual underpinning. You should not be doing that if you really believe in what you're saying. I mean, if you think that there's, uh, if somebody is being disingenuous, you can point out a line of reasoning, but like that kind of dragging indicates that you, at a certain point, you're not really, um, you're not really sure of what you're, you're not really sure what you're saying is right. So I, people are asking me specific stuff and I have no idea. I just know that, that there is a, that things can be intertwined, intertwined at the basic level, but there's still a causal relationship between the two. There's a base and superstructure relationship, even if they're fused. The only thing that breaks them is the change in material conditions, no matter what. Now that material condition change might become, might become because things change enough in the firmament to push them, but that's always started with a material change, always. Because like it seems like a lot of these people who want to incorporate, you know, the new the new uh, the new scholarship on American slavery, the challenges of the notion that it was somehow in, in conflict with capitalism. Um, they want to take that as an excuse to reify racism into a social material force, which it will never be. And that confuses things and makes it harder to fight against the cause of racism. Eric Foner's book is good, I've heard. Yeah, Shelby Foote. The guy's, he was a hell of a writer. Has there ever been an example of a social of a government stopping or preventing a socialist revolution without implementing some of their policies? I can't. I mean, countries have revolutions when the when the when the symmetry between providing needs for the people uh, and being like perceived as the legitimate source of those needs become completely friction completely broken. And so socialist revolution is just pressure of material discontent. Material discontent must be addressed. And you can call it a social, it could be socialist reforms, but it will be addressed through collapse and war, which reduce the amount of capital and therefore redistribute it, or through revolutionary, or through revolution, or through steady and, uh, steady and slow reforms. Uh, the global south is the mirror image of the global north in a lot of ways in that they are materially disadvantaged to such an extent that they can't grow the sort of mobilized uh, uh, base of people who have enough alienated uh, leisure time to effectively uh, push against capitalism the same way we have an insufficient number of people who can connect that uh, a number of people or we have an insufficient mechanism for connecting those people to everyone else. I think people hate Gramsci to the degree that Gramsci's insights about superstructure have been taken by people who of bad faith and people who are kind of mystified by being on the internet for too long, uh, that because that, that superstructure comes first. Uh, 
and that's wrong. And so people get angry at Gramsci because they blame him for everyone taking his uh, emphasis on superstructure and turning it around, but it's not necessarily his fault. It's just that we now live in a symbolically rich era of, of, uh, of spectacle and pseudo-ritualization uh, uh, of politics. And so it's very easy to take the insight of Gramsci and just immediately frictionlessly move over to be like, oh, that means the superstructure comes first. We should be arguing on the plane of ideas, and that's where the real thing is. No. And we should be arguing about culture, and Marvel movies do change the world. No. No. He was describing a reality. Now you're living in it. That's whatever happens. That's the nightmare of history that we're caught in. The, the history of all dead generations weighs like a nightmare on the brains of the living. What that means is that we are all living in the, in the dreams and ideas of, of dead generations. So like Gramsci observes the reality of superstructure. The situation changes, things shift. Now we live in a, in a society where the economy has become so abstracted into symbols, and that means that the culture has become so abstracted into symbols that now we have every reason to believe and we have to push against the presumption that politics is symbolic. And so we put, we put Gramsci's name on that condition, but it's he's not his fault. He just pointed it out. We're living in his nightmare. The respect economy is as strong as ever. Thank God. Even in the, even in, in the horrors of the corona maelstrom, the respect economy stays strong. I still respect you guys. You respect me. The respect economy, the flow continues. We don't need any kind of uh, stimulus over here. It's a bull market. Well, respect from Belfast, everyone's favorite accent. That's great. Oh, that just sounded Scottish. Terrible. Sorry. Awful. I realize now I've been terrible at these the whole time. You guys were all right. I sucked. Uh, they're still kind of funny sometimes, but yeah, no. Terrible at accents. It was absolutely uh, self-delusion that I thought I was doing well. Is Cumtown in cahoots with Sam Hyde to bring Nazism into America? I highly doubt it. That's as much as I could say about any, uh, anything outside of myself. I highly doubt it. Oh, right, yeah, everyone loves... Well, I don't know which accent you mean. Do you mean the real one? I think that's why I like doing accents, even though I'm terrible at them, is because I think I have one of the least um, appealing American accents. The high nasal uh, twang of the upper Midwest. Just everything pushed through the top of the nose. Awful. Uh, the Upton Sinclair episode I recorded on Sunday night, and it should be coming out on Thursday. Uh, I would say that the Byzantines are a good comparison for us. Slow, steady decline uh, in the face of, uh, of uh, expanding regional com competition. It gets close. Uh, my accent gets close to the Canadian accent, but because we're not all Scottish, we never got the aboot bullshit. Unlike 90% of Anglo-Canadians. Fucking McIntyre-ass country. 
Just a plaid-ass country. Just a bunch of Highlanders playing the hockey. When am I going to game? I'm not sure. Maybe we can get the gaming rig going in the office. And if we can, I'll do that. But I really don't have the uh, capability in my place to do gaming at all. I don't have a rig. I don't have a system. I don't, have a, I don't even have a, a lap thing. And we have a really great gaming rig in the office. I just really want to play. But it's going to be up to the, everyone else, because I don't know the specs, uh, to set it up. I don't know what I'm going to play. I've said that I thought that Katamari Damacy would be a good starting point. Because a game that is uh, uh, low challenge level so that it can be immersive without becoming upsetting. Uh, allowing for conversation and, you know. I don't want to just, like, get too fixated. I've heard of Duncan Trussell. I've heard he's good. I've never... I don't listen to his podcast or anything. Ooh, we got Somebody's asking about the potatoes. I love talking about the potatoes. I love talking about the potatoes. If the, the peasants are as Marx described a sack of potatoes, how do you explain the hundreds of peasant revolts throughout history? Well, it's not the act of the revolt. It's the it's the it's the goal of the revolt. I mean, there've been revolts in all social organs. There's been revolts throughout every strata of social domination in every organized society in history. Revolts are only meaningful if they are effective. They're only effective to which they're coordinated. They're only coordinated to the degree to which they represent a singular will, which is the a class acting for itself on its own behalf. And peasant revolts tended not to operate that way. They were, because of peasant life, highly regionalized. And they were usually based on the idea of complaining to the king about the uh, excesses of local uh, lords or vice versa. They were appealing to an authority that they had an inherent uh, belief in. If, they, if there were bad lords or a bad king, they needed to be replaced by good lords and a good king. That is not a class that can overthrow a, 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 a class mode of production. So that's the difference. Because when they get together, they're just a bunch of people who are pissed off at something. They're not people who are pissed off at specific exploiters of their labor because it's been because it isn't exploited uh, uh directly and more importantly they don't uh communicate together a common experience and like peasant revolts are essentially pre-quakes of the crises that are going to break down feudal feudalism or any other social order they're like they're, they're like you have the friction like you, you can kind of, it's like this isn't this isn't causally true but it is descriptively true that you can take the, a, a significant friction, a break point in history, and you can see the ripples go forward and backward. And so peasant society revolts are progressive forces in that they're bringing contradictions to the top, but they will not be the basis for a new order that will be uh, uh, anything other than transitional. So that's, that's the argument there. I mean, Maoism in the United States is hilarious because we are, of course, re-peasantized. We are, we have, we've been turned into peasants, as I've said, but instead of being potatoes in a sack, we are now uh, the Pringles because we are now essentially 
symbolize peasants. We've been run through the capitalist machine, spit out the other end as 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 uh, as symbolic peasantry, uh, which means that we still have the same degree of discombobulation and lack of ability to coordinate as medieval peasants. But now we have been socially isolated so that we, can, we can't form the social bonds that make peasant uh, organization possible. Because what, what the class process was, according to Marx, was a dynamo whereby the, the, the notion of a social self that the peasant class has is pulled by the need for new sustenance to the cities that turns the people in the cities who work in industry uh, into a, a people who are aware of class, become a class comp, uh, a class project, and then take over uh, because they're trying to impress that notion of a social self onto a capitalist system that doesn't allow for a social self. They're trying to reassert those values. But now we're so far from the peasant world, we got pressed through the, uh, the mandolin of, uh, of you know, settler colonialism and capitalism. Now we are physically spread so that we don't have a social baseline to try to get back to through organization. We, we, might, want, we might say we want Medicare for all. We might say we want um, to end SESTA-FOSTA. We might say that we want uh, to... Um, uh, you know, break up the banks or or, or uh, nationalize Amazon. But to what social ends? We don't have social ends because our social lives are so atomized. We can only think in terms of capitalist uh, uh, capitalist uh, value systems, capitalist reward systems. And so something has to intervene uh, with this dynamic for it to change. Medieval Catholic heresy? Oh, there's a lot of good ones. I'm trying to think. The Cathars are obviously really fun. Everyone loves the Cathars. I like the Lollards. Just a bunch of guys lollygagging around. And you gotta love those Hussites because they were fucking G's. Those guys fought. Jan Hus got his ass kicked, but, they were, but his followers were like, no, fuck you. We're gonna keep fighting. All heresies in the Middle Era are Catholic heresies. All heresy before the establishment of Protestantism is Catholic heresy. What else is it? Is not having space for spiritual life a material grievance? Yes, it is. Because you cannot have a spiritual life unless you have enough unalienated time to develop one. And what this capitalist system is doing now, the late capitalist, like late stage, uh, eating the bone, sucking the bone out of the marrow, stealing the copper wiring stage is doing to everyone at every level is they're grinding out unalienated time from their lives, like fucking toothpaste out of a tube at different rates and to diff and in different people. So, like, right now, as I said, we have the people inside and the people outside. The people inside are having alienated time out the wazoo. 
where they have nothing to do but worry about stuff that's out of their control and try to distract themselves with Zoom meetings and fucking Netflix and clapping and making banners or whatever. People on the outside, their, alien, their time is so alienated by the need to be working that they have no time to be able to be, to work towards self in any way, in it, like any concordance of self with your moment in time. And space, of course. So yes, every spiritual grievance is a material grievance. And you have to harness whatever degree, combination of things you can to alleviate this, the material basis for it. I'm, I've, I'm calm, dude. Calmer than you are. The right work week varies depending on how alienating the labor is. There is no single one. In an ideal social order, people would work to the degree that it was rewarding to them. And you might say, oh, that sounds stupid. Everyone's going to loll around. No, they're not. Not if they are matched to a task that fits them. Everyone has some combination of abilities and um, self-motivation, whatever you want to call it, to look at a task and complete it without it feeling like too much work. Some tasks have high, high tolerances for that. You know, that's why people are willing to eat shit to go to academia because their, their labor time is almost, enti almost entirely unalienated because they want to talk about literature or whatever the fuck. Shitty jobs, those are wildly alienating jobs because even though you could hypothetically find pleasure in cleaning a toilet or, or something like that, it's hard. What that means is you could do it uh, rewardingly for less time. So a shitty job you should do for less of your time. But more people, you might say, yeah, but what if, But more people can do that. More people together at a job that is, um, that is not, that is difficult to find rewarding can make that job easy and complete it while jobs that are more rewarding uh, in other ways so that you could do them longer without becoming annoyed with the task, you would have longer work weeks. And the funny thing is, it's like, that's the social, that's the central insight of like those kooky, like 20th century, like social credit people. The recognition that not all labor is the same, not all activities are the same. Uh, and therefore they should not be remunerated in the same forms. Uh, because like alienated labor that sucks physically, it takes a lot of money to make that worthwhile. And just so happens to be the work that is rewarded the least uh, materially. That is a signal mismatch. And like those goofy social credit people who like took over Alberta in the 30s, I guess, with their green shirts, they recognize that. But the problem is they didn't have any other part of the puzzle. And so they ended up being cranks. And that's what cranks really are. Like every crank movement is somebody who gets some truthful, real fucked up thing about the social order that needs to be unkinked, but they get fixated and they can't see the forest for the trees. Like, that's every social crank, from Lysander Spooner to, um, uh, to Henry George uh, to, the, to the Silver Shirts. Oh, somebody found a Xanax while cleaning their room. See? The universe rewards. 
Is there any... So they're saying, is it better to have a weak Biden as president than Trump to fight them? I don't know. First of all, I don't know how we're going to fight them. That's still to be determined. Secondly, I don't know if you're fighting them at that point. I feel like at this point, I mean, they're, they've thrown their hands up. Did you guys see the single most amazing video of the Trump presidency, in my opinion? The one that beats the hamburgers by a factor of a billion. He's at a Honeywell plant pumping out N95s. And some guy, some bald security guy or like executive, just total like a guy who looks like one of his flunkies. He looked like Keith Schiller is holding up this mask and he's, sh- he's like explaining just how wonderful it is. And Trump is standing next to them looking about 500 pounds. He looks like a refrigerator in a fucking Joseph A. Banks suit. And he's just looking worse than he's ever did. He almost, you can see the lines in the split, sp- spray tan and he's just like, Pretending to paying attention to this guy and pointing at it like, check out this guy. And over the speaker is blaring the Guns N' Roses cover of Live and Let Die. It's a, one of those sublime moments where you realize the totality of the moment you live in. Like you, It's a crystallization of every, every single factor that has brought us here and is going to bring us into the future. Uh... They've given up on running anything or even pretending that they have the ability to stop people from dying. Like Trump, for his whole presidency, it's like, I'm the guy who protects America. I make America. Look at you. America's great. And just because of me. Now, even he knows it's not going to happen. At some level, he's like, yeah. Ah, you do you expect us to be able to solve anything? No. I was there to rile you up one way or the other. I was able to keep your orgone occupied by loving or hating me while the actual looting of the nation went on underneath my feet. So that means that whichever one of these guys is going to win, like the forces that are controlling them are more willing than ever to just display their power nakedly and give up the fig leaf of democratic legitimacy. And the, the, the gamble they're going to be making is that our social atomization has reached a tipping point that can't be recovered from regardless of whether material conditions get terrible enough, regardless of how much they give up even attempting to uh, channel our actual concerns. And the thing is, is that that is a real moment. That is a thing. Like, at some point, we will reach a a break whereby after that, we won't be able to assert any kind of opposition, effective opposition to capital. That will happen. If things don't change, the current trajectory... That will happen. Whether we have reached that point or not, I don't know. And the only way we're going to know is retroactively when the next big break comes. How we respond to it will answer the question. And so our tasks as little grill pillars or whatever we're doing is to be as ready for that moment as possible when it comes to have developed a daily practice that's as close to the root of responding to that challenge when it appears. What should an artist be doing to bring about socialism? Uh, finding out a way to connect their, their art or their abilities, whatever they have. I, should never, I would never say stop doing art even though the superstructure is meaningless because the fact is 
And you're going to try to, what's going to realistically happen is you're going to say, art's not important now. You're going to try something to do something else that you're not as good at. And you're going to get frustrated and stop. You should stay in concordance with your, like, with where you are. You should challenge yourself, though, and try to bring your art in alignment with your values to such a degree that you feel the least amount of conflict between them. And that's not going to be a huge break. It's a gradual process that over time leads to big breaks, which is the way that all history works, from the micro to the macro. But you should, but you need to be doing, you need to be recognizing whether your art is having an effect. Like if you draw spirograph uh, doodles, for example, or make really stupid, cheesy uh, socialism for the win buttons or pins, for example, and you post them online and say, look at the little drawing I did, and you get two likes, one of them from your mom, even if that makes you feel good, you probably need to add a little grit in there. You need a little throw a little grit into the works to see what maybe you could be doing that's a little more effective, a little more, uh, reaches people a little more deeply. But at every level, you, need, you start with evaluating what you actually like and then seeing how far you can make that, how much you can grind uh, that pleasure against the wheatstone of like grueling attention to detail. Yeah, so like the only you have to be at this point I don't I don't think you're a serious analysis of the situation if you have not embraced the whole notion that we are in a terminal crisis. Uh but the problem is is that a lot of people don't want to say that because they think it's going to give people an excuse to stop trying. And it will. Like all the black pill shit is an excuse for people to give up. And what that just means is give up on ever even trying to be happy with themselves. On ever trying to be anything other than miserable every moment of their life until they die. That is what they have given up. And they want an excuse to do that because they don't know any other way to be. And anything that says there's no alternative is giving them excuses. Just because America has entered a decline phase does not mean, as I said the other day, that that decline has to be fatally terminal to all institutions and all people. It'll be fatal to some combination of institutions and people, but it could be arrested and redirected into different point paths at any point it can be intervened with by people acting together so there is no black pill no matter how much you might acknowledge the situation being in a in a crisis moment and so that's the thing that inhibits like that's a perfect example that like a mere fact that inhibits uh our understanding of the world because some people are going to use it in bad faith Bad faith to others and bad faith to themselves, really. And then you feel the need to deny that faith, that fact. No, we're not in a decline. Because you don't want to give in to those bad faith actors. But I'm coming around to the idea that you can only ever defeat bad faith with good faith over time. Not in a given moment. You might get owned. You might get owned by somebody who buys your logics you into oblivion. You might lose an argument in some sense that more people think you were wrong than right. But over time, you will develop the belief in yourself to act with full concentration and conviction.
The military aggression question is a good one. If America maintains its solvency as a country, and this depression is as bad as it looks it might be, uh, and uh, there is that much material sudden deprivation as there appears to already be, uh, oh boy, that pressure is going to have to go somewhere. It's, we're either going to have to go towards our government for letting it happen or some other thing. And uh, the Chinese are right there. I mean, we're totally intertwined with them politically and economically but, and technologically. Uh, but man, and, they, and all of the rare earth metals we use for our missile systems come from them. Half of our high tech. But, you know, the European powers of uh, 1914 were, uh, were economically interdependent too. I don't know. It depends on it depends on the reaction of the government. It depends on the degree to which they are there is a force requiring capital to redistribute. If we redistribute enough, that force will be alleviated and and we won't have to go to war with China or like Iran as a proxy for China. But if that if there is if there is sudden massive deprivation of material conditions in this country, there will either be a civil war when we turn that frustration on each other or a war with another country. That is, those are the only three options on the table. There's no third, there's no third option. There's either dramatic redistribution of resources downward or some breakup of the, of the, of the political symbolic order at the, at the level of the nation state or we all direct that energy on some foreign country. And I think that the, set, that the Civil War is the least likely because of just how, how disparate, disparate we are, how, uh, frankly, physically unhealthy we are. We're not in a situation where any of us... I mean, my God, people are losing their shit because they have to have their uh, Buffalo Wild Wings delivered instead of going in to the place to watch, uh, to eat them in person. How are they going to handle not having any Buffalo Wild Wings at all? You know, it's funny, like dual power, I have kind of scorned dual power notions because it feels so in, uh, uh, early to be talking that way, uh, considering, you know, the array of power going against us and to call any kind of mutual aid that usually gets tucked away in the category of charity uh, as anything other than that, I think is, it could be like categorically unuseful. But I'm starting to think that anything that privileges action on the ground is worth supporting. Even if you might think it's going to be misdirected, I think people got to do what they think is right as long as it's... So like electoralists, stop getting mad at dual power people and let them do their dual power. Dual powers, though, stop yelling at electoralists and calling them suck dems. Mutual laying down of arms and do the thing that you think is right because you think it's right. Not because you want other people to think that you're the most left or you're the most correctly left. Anything that gets you working in the world is worth supporting. Now, that means working in the world. That, like, a lot of people think that to mean like demonstrations. No, demonstrations are just the first level of symbolic politics. 
And it's so fair. It's like better. Like if it's if it's just the comparison, if the comparison is just the internet and a demonstration, the demonstration is better just because it's less abstract and it requires more of your attention and focus. But it's still inferior to anything else. It's still inferior to anything that's actually constructive. That's why you know things like Extinction Re Rebellion are not only dead ends, they're probably entirely uh, government controlled. Like there's absolute reason to be totally concerned about like demonstration politics as a model during a crisis like this. But anything else that's like getting things to people and building connections is worth trying just so you're in a better position when material conditions change. I read a bunch of Derek Jensen when I was in uh when I was in like college and he blew my mind. Uh yeah, no, I read I read I read a, a couple of his books and it's like goddamn. This is uh uh, in, uh stringent. And the thing is is that he's right about a lot. He's right about capitalism. Like the thing that Derek Jensen writes uh uh assumes is that the current model will just will collapse and lead to a new dark age. And that's true. And it's like, there's no, like, oh, yes, but technology will intervene. Right. But technology will also make things more savage. And it will, it will, it will, allow, it will allow socially unstable, non-viable arrangements to continue beyond their natural life cycle. But he's also, you know, of the belief that that, that would be preferable to stay there in some sort of barbaric situation. And that's not sustainable. Like the Anne Prim thing, No. It's just it's it's not just that it's uh, wrong to seek it. It's not going to happen. People will get annoyed. The human brain will will push against its barriers uh, of ability to create its own environment. So I mean that's one what that is in human nature, and the way we know is that there's a fucking society and they keep building them. Like everything else, like they tell tell you is human nature. That's all horseshit. It's imprinted. But uh. But having, a, having the progress, the progressive nature, as in you're building on the buildings that were around when you were there, you're building in the context of that, of that which you, uh, existed when you were there, means that unless you're going to do some sort of ritualistic um, communal bring down, and maybe you could imprint that at the social level, where you, like a Butlerian jihad, uh, you're fucked. But I mean, if you had a wide enough, if you like, if you got enough people to believe at the level of spiritual that they should not build, that they should not, uh, you know, go beyond a certain level of development, that would be great. That'd be fine. If it was, if it was stable at that level, that would be fine. Like a lot of systems are like that. That's why there are still undiscovered tribes in the Amazon because they have a social homeostasis. The problem is that's not everybody. So that's why it wouldn't work, because you would not be able to, to, to keep that. Because you can say, all right, everybody at this level of social order, we all have deeply embedded symbolic belief that we can't uh, build stuff. But over time, even with that, things are going to change. You're going to have to move ground. You're going to have to give up one well and build a new one. And something's going to develop. And... We, Time and space are both real. 
and they're going to imprint on, on humans. So uh, might as well seek to synthesize technology at a level that can maintain a steady state at the highest point because it contains every energy in the system rather than at a low point, which will inevitably lead to instability, the accumulation somewhere else, and the whole thing explodes again. See, people are asking about like if a job is useful praxis, if doing X is useful praxis. At that category, no, or nothing is. If you do, it's all about, uh, that, that question can't be answered. It's whether you're doing it with the right mind. Now that doesn't apply to everything. Like if you're working for the Bush White, the Trump White House or fucking CIA or uh, Monsanto, there's no ethical way to be doing what you're doing. You know, but like at a certain level of abstraction, you can say that about everything is, you can say everything is evil, but you get to a point where good outweighs evil. Like, yeah, you are, by, by being a college professor, you are perpetuating a lot of bad systems. But you could, if you apply yourself with whole harmony of spirit to the job, you could do more good than harm. That's impossible at a job like uh, working at a, uh, investment banker or working uh, for the FBI, working in any system of like direct control uh, of corporate power because if you concentrate yourself on the job to the best of your abilities, you're doing more evil. You're just making the evil doubled of working the job. So see if the job you have can possibly be positive in its contribution and then work towards that. So that answer is, the answer of like, can it be praxis is, is it possible to have praxis there in that, in it, given its position in the capital structure? And can you get it out of it? And those are questions that can't be answered by me. Uh, what are the odds of an American NDL, uh, NDP, or Labor Party? Um, I mean, it depends on how bad it depends on how bad things get. Um, if Biden wins, I think all that energy it goes to some sort of weird Heronvolk Republican Party, the big nightmare everyone's been scared of. I think that's a real fear, and I think it's more likely if Biden wins. Because unless we're able, unless people are able to make them give us enough to prevent a real crisis, um, the Republicans are going to respond the only way they can. If Trump wins, yeah, I think I think the Repu the Democratic Party splinters in a significant fashion. Once again, not sure. That's still far away, um, and things will intervene to change the dynamic. But that's again, if it's not changing. Uh, a, a Trump win, I think, leads more likely to a splintered Democratic Party. Uh, a Biden win, more likely to a, uh, a repolarized, uh, uh, realigned Republican Party. Which is worse. Much worse. I mean, if you feel like your job is worthless, then you shouldn't do it if you have the freedom not to. 
I mean, if you have to do it because that you don't have alternatives, then I, that's awful. I mean, that's the nightmare that we're all trying to avoid and so many of us are caught in. Uh, and, you know, you should try your best to take the time you have that's free and, like, put it to use so that you can counterbalance the feeling of uselessness you have in your job. Um, but if you, if you, and, but I think that doing that will make it, give you a better idea of what you could be doing elsewhere. And that could be a blue collar job if you have a white collar one. And the thing is you have to shed the inherent belief that that job is better because it's in an office. You, 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 because I mean, there are probably a lot of people who are working office jobs that they would like less than blue collar jobs that they're doing because they think there's a social stigma to working with their hands. And that shouldn't be. Just as there are people in blue-collar jobs who didn't have the educational access to get white-collar jobs that they would find more satisfying than what they're doing. A colonial mindset, wow. Protesting the DNC, uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, what they did is worth protesting. Uh, and protesting, I know I just said protesting is symbolic politics, but so is a political party in a real sense. Uh, and so is a political uh, convention. Uh, I mean, especially a convention. My God, that is the most symbolic thing. They don't even have to have them because it's all settled. It, they've become pure spectacle. So, of course, you know, contribute to the spectacle in any way you want. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And if it's directed as at the Democratic Party, I think that will be good because they have to be delegitimized to, against the coming crack-up because they are either going to lose to Trump for two straight elections, which will cause huge, huge crisis for them. I really think that's going to happen. Unless everything gets better and we're not in a hell uh, second term of, you know, a Great Depression in, under, under the damn Cheeto-in-Chief. No, that's going to cause... Complete breaks. Um, or Biden's going to preside over a austerity. He's going to be the Brunning of America. Uh, not Matt, uh, the German chancellor who oversaw uh, the austerity that led to the Nazis taking power. Either way, they need to be delegitimized for their future uh, delegitimization that they're going to be undertaking. I mean... I, I, you know why Bernie dropped out? I know that it's good to kind of let this stuff go. And uh, I, do, I think people freak getting really excited about Bernie being put back on the ballot in New York. It's a little sad. It's like, just give me this one thing. And it's like, that's all you're getting, though. And that's pretty, it's, it should be sad. It should be a sad moment. Uh, but I think we got to, like, move past Bernie because he's, he's, he's served his purpose. He, he has marshaled certain forces. He has gotten people arrayed along a certain politics. And now it's them to move forward. It's on us to take up. Bernie's got to watch the skies while we watch the neighborhood. Uh, but I think that realistically the reason he dropped out is that they were going to keep killing people at primaries. I think they were going to just be like, we're going to keep killing people at these primaries until you drop out. And it's like, we're not going to let you win. And he started to feel personally responsible. It's like, I'm going to get these people killed by, keep, by staying in. Because that's what the Democrats think. Like, you might think, how could these monsters allow this to happen? They blame Bernie. 
You could bring, show them all the dead uh, poll workers from Illinois and Florida and Arizona and say, how did you let this happen? And they'd say, why didn't Bernie drop out? Why did he make us do that? And they would have said that about all of it. That's the, that's the mind, authoritarian mindset. The authoritarians never take any credit for any violence they do because it's the fault of the victim or someone else. Why did you make us do that? It's no, never their fault. So Bernie's just like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be up at night thinking about people dying because I, I stayed in the race. And that makes him a mensch. And I think he is a mensch. But that doesn't mean that we should <coughs> be unrealistic about where we are vis-a-vis -vis his chances of being president. All right, if someone's a neat on quarantine, what kind of job should they do? Uh, I'd say start at something. Start at whatever you think you could do. And sh but just shed of, like, ambition. Because that's how you defeat yourself. It's like, well, something that you could get a job doing. Because, like, I can't tell you, you're not, I, you'd have to be the specific neat in question with the specific life experiences to give them certain yeah. interests and abilities to concentrate on certain tasks. You should just try what looks like it could be okay. But you have to shed the idea that it has to conform to like, well, it's not political enough. I'm not changing the world enough by doing it. Or it's beneath my educational level or something like that, which is what made me for years miserable. And I know a lot of other people. You need to just start with something you think you might find something enjoyable about and that you could get a job doing. And then you see how that treats you. But you cannot... Dismiss things because you don't have, it, it can't be anything that you can't, if you've just made the decision that you've got to get to work, that like, all right, I have to leave the house, then you cannot make up conditions that require something else. So if that's the conditions, then the conditions are what you think you might like and what you can get. Uh, guns, guns, germs, and steel, obviously it's not got, it's not everything. It's not correct, but I think it's got a lot of insights and I know that it's something that I've used to put together a lot of my worldview. Like, having read Guns, Germs, and Steel, the Walter Scheidel book that I'm reading, feels like, it really, they feel like overlapping, like, uh, uh, historical observations. And, and they click together. Even if details might be wrong in any level, uh, it's another, like, building block. It's, it's a good book. It's worth, it's worth engaging with, as they say now. Hobbsbaum is great. Hobbsbaum is great. But, you know, uh, yeah, no, he's good. Is South Korea the future? Uh, I mean, maybe for some people, you know, maybe on Elysium. Uh, Wallenstein, World Systems, uh, you know, now that I've, now that I'm, uh, like, tr I'm trying to apply, you know, these, the, like, these concepts to, uh, the dialectical concepts to history more, uh, world system theory, which used to kind of baffle me a little bit, uh, I kind of got the contours, now seems very intuitive. I, I want to read more about it. I have not heard of the game Ultimate General Civil War, but that sounds cool.
Socialism is always possible. Socialism is possible until the last fire burns out because we still have agency. The level of socialism will be determined by how much of our uh, uh, material environment has been deemed destroyed. I mean, socialism could be two people splitting a, the last can of Kroger beans over a dying fire. Uh, the level, though, is up to us. So when we say, oh, we, we're, we're like, yeah, we at a certain level, we can't challenge capitalism right now, but there will always be a, a, a difference, a change in circumstances that brings with it a change in our material uh, uh, position to power and that that's something we can uh, we can strive to be ready for. That's all we can do. Hone our blade and wait and hone and wait and then strike. Socialism is the deep death of the universe. Yes. Socialism is it's like the, the vision of socialism as a social structure is the end state of uh, like the uh, is, is 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 the last stage before total imminence, before the total ex uh, the moment when all space and time literally occupy the same area. What makes something liberal uh, is its presumption of the individual as an untouched prime mover. I would say that's the that's the best definition of liberalism. Is it started presumption humans as prime movers as, as opposed to uh, things that are acted upon? That would be my definition of liberalism. Which is what's so funny about combat liberalism, everyone's favorite Mao text, because everything in... I don't want to get anybody... I don't want to get people mad at me and there's only a few minutes left before I sign off, but combat liberalism is liberal because it says... He's not describing a specific thing a comrade does. He's responding a type of thing that people do that can be applied to anybody in any situation if the reasoning is motivated. It assumes people are operating uh, from first position instead of in a dialectical relationship with reality that starts with reality. Hate to, hate to piss people off, but combat liberalism is liberal. Because it assumes an unmoved mover. It tells people, stop doing this. Instead of changing the material conditions that makes them do the thing. It is. Liberal combat. And it's like, there's a reason that Mao was so popular in college campuses. Because those people were the most liberal subjects to ever exist. The boomers. They were the first, most intensified liberal subjects. And so, of course, Mao is going to make more sense to them than Marx or Lenin. I'm a liberal to some extent. Yes, I'm a liberal in so at the at the social level of respecting that there are other people who have equal rights as I do. But at that point, I stop. I don't take the next step to say that means that they choose their own decisions as I do. No, they're socially contexted as I am to them. Because that isn't that, that like the idea of being uh, the idea of, of 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 liberalism to the it, that is a found that is before liberalism even that's literally to even have a social order that is beyond like a a a a clannish like hive that uh, that has strangers in it basically a social order in which you engage with strangers requires that degree of liberalism but beyond that 
uh, it buds off into dialectical and, and individualist, at least in the West. So yeah, mild, combat liberalism is liberal. Uh, black li liberals are going to get blackpilled by re by conditions. You're not going to be able to convince them of that. They're going to just use every evidence of awfulness to further their uh, their their set ideas. Blaming it on Trump, blaming it on Russia if Trump doesn't work. Now maybe even blaming it on the Chinese. Some of the liberals are blaming the Chinese. Only a change in their material conditions and circumstances is going to change the way they apportion blame for their conditions. So that's another thing where, like, I can't, you can't own your parents uh, on Facebook or people on Twitter into becoming more blackpilled because they're too comfortable right now. And they're comfortable channeling their discontent that they do have that is mostly symbolic onto Trump, onto the uh, Republicans. They have to have so much more material conditions that they have. And the thing is, that doesn't mean that you then have to carry out things that make that happen. Because the worse it gets faster, the, hard, the more likely people are going to react badly to the trauma. That is why you can't bring about the collapse. You have to work within the existing collapse. All right, guys, I'm done for the day. I think this was a good one. Had fun. Uh, I'm sorry that the chat is lame as shit, but uh, I have little control over that. Um, let's talk to you guys tomorrow. Peace. And I'm, I'd like to talk about the Taiping Rebellion maybe tomorrow. It's, pretty, it's really interesting. Someone mentioned it, but we forgot. But anyway, peace and chicken grease.